long run, passivity won't pay off. It never pays off. If you want a life of meaning and transcendence, you're going to have to move. Aggression doesn't have to be toxic or damaging. Healthy aggression risks. It builds new things. It breaks through barriers. It's the key to living a life that matters. I'm Brian Tome, and this is The Aggressive Life. Welcome to The Aggressive Life. And today, it's called The Aggressive Life because I just did something pretty darn aggressive I don't say so myself. I went to this place to have lunch in Nashville with a person I know by the name of Angie. And I went in and we're having lunch. And who is in the restaurant but Kathy Lee Gifford? And so I said, hey, let's make an aggressive move. And I asked her, hey, I got this podcast would you like to be on my podcast? And she said, yes. And so I got a boardroom they gave me. We set up with my own. Here we are. Kathy Lee Gifford, welcome to The Aggressive Life. Thank you. I, I felt sorry for you. Oh, you did? <laughs> no, Why? No, just kidding. Not at all. No, uh, Angie, you told me that you wanted me to do your podcast. So I thought, you know what? Why not now? Well, this, this is kind of like life, right? A lot of times we want to do something, we think we want to do something, but we never make the ask. We never step out. And so I didn't want to embarrass you or be weird, but man, I'm just thankful you're here. This is awesome. I'm this happy is to awesome. be with you. We'd had lunch with Angie and some of your coworkers about a month ago or so, felt comfortable with you right away. Why not? So, and, and Nashville's about, the culture here is a culture of kindness. I moved here about a year ago and then, and then, um, permanently in April when I left the Today Show, and I'm just I'm just laid back, Kathy Lee, as opposed to what I was. You all are the- <laughs> not laid back. I, you so didn't you know me before. Not, you are not laid back. <laughs> I am too. No. Well, that, darn that, it, I am. That's a question I have for you, actually. Okay. When you were on Today's Show, I mean, you've had uh, quite a full life. You've you know. Beauty queen, no, winning competition. You won queen. competition. I thought you won Miss America or something like that. No, no are you kidding? You me? did it. I required a bathing you suit. Entered and it, heels. You entered no. it and lost. Then I no. was kicked out. You were kicked out. Okay, whatever. You were, <laughs> you were you were kind of in that world. You've um, I wasn't been on to, in the beauty you, queen. I thought world. you were. I was in the America's Junior Miss Pageant when I was seventeen years old. It was a scholarship program. Talent and scholarship. There was all no right. bathing suit, no bikini. I've been judging you, you all have. these years. I've been judging you. Now I got nothing against and, people. But I was it. kicked out of it. So anyway, why were you kicked out of it? Talking to a boy. You talked to Doing a boy. What comes naturally. <laughs> so all right, you you did the junior whatever it's called. Junior, America's you, junior miss. And then you were a public feature for uh, just a public figure for a long, and still are. But as you are where you are right now in life, yes. um, a reason I thought it'd be which awesome, is advanced age according to the the calendar. Advanced age. Are you going to tell us how old you are? are sixty six. Sixty six. I am three twenty two year olds. <laughs> You, you. Um, I was never good at math, but that one I can figure out. People, we've had a lot of kind of classic manly man uh, recently on, and some people could start to think that the aggressive life is a man podcast. It's not. It's not a man podcast. It's a podcast for people that want to go to the next place. They want to have breakthrough. They want to take control of life instead of life taking control of them. And that's you. That's you. I mean, you are 
um, you're, you're aggressive in the most positive senses of the word. To just give us a little pep talk. Why is, why is taking control of your life? or how, What does aggression mean? What, up, what are you doing I with your real life? I was up at one o'clock this morning. One o'clock? Doing what? Why are you yelling? One o'clock. Why are you part of the culture <laughs> one, of chaos? One o'clock. <laughs> one. What are you doing at one o'clock in the morning? Waking up? Because I, I got work to do. Like what? I got set to work on a book that I'm writing right now and three uh, oratorios that I'm about to go and take to Israel and 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 make into films, just like I did with the God Who Sees. And 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 God wakes me up with creativity. He wakes me up uh, uh, and and gets me to work. I'm generally doing my scripture memory at one o'clock in the morning, and then I move from there into interceding for the nations in Greek. That's kind of my thing. So, <laughs> so you you you've got you've got a lot of projects going forward. Just give give us one. Like what's what's a, what's a project that Kathy Lee Gifford? You about, you know Kathy Lee Gifford or Kathy Lee? It doesn't matter. Okay, what, what, give us a give us a project that's got you just getting up at one o'clock in the morning. That's this morning it was the book that I'm writing. I have to deliver a book to my publisher at the end of January. And it's got to be a certain amount of words. And um, no matter how long I keep writing, it seems like I, I, I'm up against a, a tidal wave and I'm going, how many words do I have now? <laughs> it shouldn't be about the words. It should be about what am I saying? What am I sharing? It's, called, it's a book called um, It's Never Too Late. And, um, and that's true because it's never too late to learn something new, never too late to try something new, never too late to, to step out on a limb in yeah. faith, never too late to um, trust, to forgive. So many things it's never too late to, well, we, until it's finally too late. We have a real fear of aging in our culture, don't yeah, we? Everyone's we do. afraid of getting old. Everyone's afraid of being over the hill. I mean, I'll just confess, at 54 years old, I don't know when I, if it was when I turned 50 or 51, whatever it was, I felt like all of a sudden there was this, this clock that was telling me, oh, you're getting to the end. And Welcome to a female world when it starts when you're about in your late 20s. Oh, is that right? And, and the clock starts because you know you're running out of time to have children. Mm. Our clock starts tick-tocking a lot sooner than yours does, sir. Of course, it's ridiculous, right? I mean, I'm, I don't know about the kid thing. You take good care of yourself. That's, that's a huge part of it. I do something called man do now. I've always exercised. It's important to keep our bodies sound and, and, and healthy. Uh, I've been introduced to a brand new thing here in Nashville that's revolutionized my 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 exercise program. I do it three times a week with my friend Angie, who's right behind me here. And I've, I had gotten very scrawny and very skinny because I was doing a film last year in Scotland uh, and that I'd written, and it was a story of a woman who was a, a runner and it was newly um, uh, uh, widowed. And so I needed to be I needed to look like that person. So I'd lost, I'd gotten down to 108 pounds. And it was, no, I'm tiny. I'm a little, I'm just a little bird-like thing. But anyway, with a big mouth. But anyway, I, um, I didn't realize how painfully thin I had probably become. And I went, I started doing this man do, and I've gained now um, over 10 pounds of, of solid muscle. Yeah changed my life and yeah. got, got me eating tons more protein than I yeah. did. And I had something to learn. I so had you feel to too this lie that if we're getting older, we're becoming, going to become less useful. We ought to start winding down. Because I know for me, I'm not winding down. I'm standing against that lie. I'm not going to wind down. I'm in my I, prime. I think it's the time to you're, speed you're up. doing the same thing. I, I'm, I'm acutely aware of, of the TikTok now. Mm. Ever since my husband died in my arms, basically, when I found my husband um, gone on, on, gone but not forgotten, to uh, to his savior that morning, four and a half years ago, uh, your mortality starts to become far more 
uh, um, present with you. You're just aware. You're aware. I, your life becomes much more about loss than gain. You reach a point, I've lost now, but no, I haven't lost. I'm, I know where they are. <laughs> we say that as a culture, but we, they're not lost. We know exactly where they are, and I'm going to be reunited with them one day. But they're lost f- presently, physically here with us now. And, and you start to realize that you're going to many more funerals than you're going to christenings or mm-hmm. weddings or, mm-hmm. you know, those or graduations and such. So it's a constant literal reminder, basically, that, yes, people are, people are leaving this planet and one day it's going to be you. And I don't mind leaving this planet. Whenever the Lord takes me, I'm ready to go. But I don't want to go until I have done the work that he has called me to do. And that's why I feel an aggression. An aggression. You mentioned when Frank died. He died in your arms. I'm sorry to take it back to a painful place. Was it a sudden death that he had? Or was yes. It, a, it was a sudden death. He'd had the, the, the best um, um, medical assessment he'd had in eight years, a week before. He came home from the doctor. He says, well, you're kind of stuck with me. Mm. He was 80. He was one week shy of his 85th birthday when he passed. Wow. I came downstairs. I just left him an hour before having his coffee, eating some cornbread, had his Bible in front of him. And I went up to get ready for church. It was a beautiful, beautiful Sunday. In uh, it was August 9th. And we were at our, our home, his favorite place in the whole world, and his favorite room in the whole world. And when I came down, he was laying on the floor. And he'd gotten up to go outside, I think, to just watch. We live on the water. So he wanted to, see, he loved to watch the boat, the, uh, you know, the fishermen go by and, and, the, and the paddle boarders and the kayakers. He just, Loved to, and he used to sit there in our backyard, Brian, and look up at the at the contrails because we live in, in Connecticut. So there's so many New York uh, and New Jersey um, airports around, and he would sit there, and, and he just so happy and so contented. And he go, "There's another one I'm not on." He'd spent all of his adult life playing football, going to every corner of the world, covering every major sports event, either being in it as a participant or as a, um, a sportscaster. And he was so ready just to sit and watch the world go by a little bit. But it's like, we never hear those deaths anymore. I mean, that's how I want to go. Like, mm-hmm. I'm alive and boom. Yeah. Most, of, most of the people we know who die or read of, they're, you know, they're in hospice for a while or tubes or, I mean, that sounds like a dream death actually to me. Here's... And my daddy had gone through that whole hospice thing and eight years of a terrible disease called Lewy body dementia, which was... So I know both sides of this. I would any day take a death like Frank's over seeing someone I love suffer. Frank's only fear, and he was in eight halls of fame, this man, and he earned every one of them. Frank did not live his life in fear. So, and most people understand that about him. What he was afraid of was becoming so ill or, or um, uh, infirm that he would be a burden to his family, a burden to his loved ones, and he was very claustrophobic, so he didn't want to be hooked up to machines and, and be a burden. He'd rather just go, just go, take me, God. And he said that the last year of his life, he kept saying to me, honey, I'm not afraid. I'm, I'm really starting to get very curious. Mm. So he was curious. And I think that's another part of why it's important to stay with your mind, uh, um, you know, uh, learning new things, study the word, keep putting the word in. The Bible says he renews our, our hearts and our minds. 
That's not random. That really means renews. I mean, I, I study and, and memorize scripture every day now, and I have for years and years and years. Why? So it's there when I need it. I don't have to go look it up. It's there. It's in my DNA. And Frank had just started to do that about eight years before. Made a huge, huge, huge distance, uh, difference in his life. And uh, so when he died, God answered my prayer that God would take him quickly, quickly and with no pain, and just take him home. And it happened when I when the EMTs came to my house. Uh, they said, "Mrs. Gifford, I hope it brings you great comfort to know that your your husband never hit the floor. It was a massive heart attack. That one week before he was told his heart was in perfect condition. So wow. some people would call that a tragedy. I call it um, um, answered prayer. Right. Right. And he didn't want a funeral. They wanted to do a huge thing for him at, 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 at a Giant Stadium. They wanted everybody to come for big memorials. And, and, and he said, no, throw me a party in our backyard. Just, just blare the Sinatra. Serve gift wine and let everybody stand up and tell funny stories. Mm. No tears unless they, they're laughing because you're laughing. And that's exactly what happened. And so many people, nobody was allowed to wear black. That's a dream. There were not, no, there was no mourning. We, this was not a tragedy. This was a triumph of an amazing life. Yeah. And that's what, his, the truth is, Brian, think about it. The greatest life of a believe, the greatest day in a believer's life is the day we go home to God. No more tears, no more suffering, no more sorrow. I don't Our think tears are for the way. living, not for the dead in Christ. I think we talk a good game about that. Those of us have a faith. I think we talk a good game about that, but I don't think we live a good game that way. I, I, I think we talk about a heaven. I think we talk about having some eternal security, but I don't, I don't think anyone really lives that way and believes that way. We had a woman in our church die in the middle of a, a Christmas show. We did a show called A Waiter. We had 500,000 people go through it in about 11 years. And uh, opening night one year, this woman, she was 21-year-old, she fell. 21? She was 21. She was one of the magi. She was twirling around up in the rafters, and she fell to her death. The rope gave way. We're still not sure exactly how it happened, carabiner or something like that. And she fell to her death. In the middle row, in the middle of this our thirty five hundred seat auditorium, and it was, I don't, I don't want to go into it. Was, it was utterly shocking. I, I, I could unpack that on a bunch of ways. I don't want, I don't, we don't want to do that. Well, for, you ask, for, where's the right? loving God when something like that? Well, happens. yeah, well, they even go to the next level. And when I talk with her, with her parents and others, as I said, um, hey, look, let's look at this a really odd way. I don't want to be. Um, offensive here, and I know this is my daughter, so it's easier for me to say if it was my daughter, but Carrie had a dream death. She's 21 years old. She died instantly. She didn't have any family. She didn't have like, no dependents, husband or kids, and she died serving her God and trying to bring people to Christ. Doing what she loved Doing do. what she loved. That's a dream death. It really is. I don't, I don't think most of us actually believe what we say we believe because there is more to this life than P90X in my podcast stream and everything. There, there is just more. I don't there just know what more. you're talking about. P90X? <laughs> no. How many push-ups can you do right now? How many push-ups can you do? I know there's a microphone in front of me. I don't know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, let's take a break here. And let me tell you, this episode is brought to you by Groove Life. 
You can get 15% off your next silicone ring or watch band at GrooveLife.com. The promo code is TOME15. Right now, I'm wearing one of these rings. I've been wearing these rings, one of these rings nonstop for a long time. I love it. I love them. I can. I never take it off my finger, whether I'm working out, whether I'm showering, whether I'm in the boat, whether I'm wrenching in my garage, no matter what I'm doing. So if you want to try one of these out, they're pretty darn cool and affordable. You can use promo code TOME15 and you can get 15% off. Last question, because I just grabbed you. Do you have other things That's to do okay. today? I'm here. I'm enjoying myself. I just, I just crossed my mind. We've had, we've had professional athletes uh, on on this podcast. We've had, um, uh, we've had just every ilk. You're the first person we've had who's been in the entertainment industry really? or the broadcast industry. Yeah, we've not had anybody who's really succeeded in broadcast. Wow, it's a, it's a younger podcast for starters. So for folks who are out there and uh, they want to get into the entertainment business or they want to be in the broadcast business, any tips you can give them hmm. to, how to how to stand out or how to get ahead? I was just writing about that in this book this morning. Hmm. I was writing about the fact that when I did the 15 years with Regis and, and Kathy Lee that changed the whole landscape of television, uh, we nobody had ever done what we'd done before. We had no writers we sat there, didn't even speak before really? we went on the air. So no. this doing this is what you did. That's the whole what time. I did, I and and, and it, it just changed everything, and uh, it went on to it, uh, literally change the landscape of television, and daytime daytime television. We just became the unbelievable, you know, um, pioneer of what he did and best storyteller ever, and he be, he's a legend in the broadcasting world. Um, he was my first partner. I can't believe I got to do it again with Hoda for 11 years. I had 15 years with Regis, 11 years with Hoda. And each time on a different network at a different time of the day uh, with a different host, it, 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 it became a hit. That doesn't happen. That's never happened. What did you do to contribute to that? I Obviously, showed up. You showed you know, Come on I, now. Nope, I know you're I am, a humble woman. I no, know you I'm believe not. in God. You've yes, known yes, me I, long. <laughs> we just had lunch. You know that well, ain't you, true. You had to do something <laughs> to prepare yourself for an episode. You had to have some mindset. I'm that, trying to tell you. Okay. All right. I showed up and authentically was myself. And that's the trouble with the world we live in today. I was talking about in the book today when I was writing about it, how, it, how sad it is the culture we live in today where you can't be authentic. You can't, you gotta be very, very careful. Regis and I said, whatever came to our minds, I, we didn't, we just let it fly. And it made for great television. Why? Because it was as if you were in our living room or our kitchen and we were just being human. You're not allowed to be human anymore. You gotta process your thought before you say it, and then you gotta edit it while you say it, because any word you say in this social media culture we live in will be used against you to destroy you. Now, that means you're not gonna be spontaneous, you're not gonna be authentic. Those two things put together equals no fun. Right. And what Regis and I had all those years what Johnny Carson had all those years, what Lucy and Ethel had all those years, fun. We're not allowed to have it anymore because we you're going to offend somebody. Because if we, or there's only a matter of time until some of us says something wrong, and when we do, there's a, a culture that doesn't understand Jesus is not going to understand grace, and we have a culture that does not give second chances, right. that doesn't give grace. And Jesus said seven times seventy. 
490 times we're supposed to forgive. Why? Because every number in the Bible is, is um, uh, powerful and specific, and nothing is random. Every number has importance. That is the absolute quintessential um, achievement of, of forgiveness, that number. Yeah. And in the in the in the Jewish faith in in Judaism, and and oh, I don't want to get into the weeds on this, but what? Greek and um, Hebrew and the Hebrew are all. No, we're not going to get into it. Okay. It's, well, I could well, talk for hours on all this stuff. You got to read my book, The Rock, the Road, the book. Rabbi. Rock the Road, the Rabbi. Check it out, boys and girls. Rock the Road, the Rabbi. It's also, if we just take it literally, and, and Jesus means four hundred ninety times. Okay, I can stop forgiving once I get to four hundred ninety one. Of course, that never happens. No, we just, never make just it. Just keep we, giving forgiveness. Keep How are you as a forgiver? Are you a good forgiver? I really am. Yeah, when my husband was unfaithful to me, I forgave him the instant he asked me. Really? It was instantaneous? Yes, instantaneous. Why? Because God, because I knew how much I'd been forgiven of my own sins. Oh, that's great. I mean, we cannot give mercy unless we understand how much mercy we've been shown. Right. And that's the trouble with the world. God has shown all of us so much mercy, but we were, we withhold it from others. Did you forgive him and then you never thought about it again? No, okay, that's so, impossible. I'm not God. Right, so you He removes it from the east to the west. It's forgotten. Uh, no, no, I've got, I had emotional scars for the rest of our, our marriage and the rest of his life. I did. It was the most devastating thing I've ever gone through uh, because he was the person I loved the most in the whole world. And, uh, you know, the, the, the devastation is commensurate with how much you loved somebody. Well, and it sucks that at that point you're in a career that can't let you work out your stuff privately. I mean, that's, I didn't know you back then, obviously. I've only known you for two meetings, but I've, I've walked with a lot of people who've been through infidelity as a pastor. And gosh, what just sucks, man. <laughs> you, just, you just couldn't get a break. You couldn't go internal. You couldn't, you couldn't. It was like, I can't imagine the pressure. Mine was that, was done ju- that, was, that was just shitty, man. That was just yeah. that was just awful. Yeah. I mean, just being in the public eye. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's hard enough alone. Jeez. And then and um, yeah. So, but um, every time something like that happened in my life, whether it was when Frank was unfaithful or when Frank passed or my mother died or all these sort of milestone moments in a person's life, the Lord just gave me such peace. He said, Kathy, this is an opportunity. Go tell the world, I placed you there for a reason. You have a microphone for a reason. Go tell the world that I love them, that I'm there for them when these things happen, that I will get them through these things. In this world, you will have trouble and trials and tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. All right, well, speak my forgiveness. How about Howard Stern? You forgive him? He was pretty brutal on you way back when. That's a huge, huge part of my book. Oh, is chapter it? Chapter on forgiveness. You're going to, so you're just going to tell me, read my book? You're not going to tell me what, and you're just going to say, read my book? Uh, yeah. That's okay. It's that good a, it's that good a chapter. Yeah. And, and you it took for, 30 years, but it happened. You took you 30 no, years for, to forgive Howard years. Stern? No, I can't give it away. All it's, right. it's, it's, it's an extraordinary story. So you're not going to bless the listeners of this podcast with that extraordinary story. No, because sadly, we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's perfect. All right, so, Kathy, how can people follow up with you, your books, all your kind of stuff? What's Just the- go to kathyleegifford.com, you know, my website. Everything's on there. Um, everything, I think, you know, that I'm, 
that can be seen by the naked eye. I guess I never go on it. You let me know what's on there. I have no idea. I'm just told that anything that they're interested, they could find out about on my website. Well, I got to tell you, thank you. I mean, you, you were not planning on coming into a hotel conference room today. You were not planning. I wasn't planning on getting into some of your some of your past difficulties. But man, you. Uh, what I've been around you, you just you, you have a um, a pure energy a well Jesus Jesus says one time to Daniel I love him because in whom there is no guile and I sense that with you there's no guile I hope not you know? I pray no, not there's not so I sure don't want to spend my life that way uh, you've helped a lot let of people let me say today. one like, last thing yes, that please. might help people yeah. Brian I went to a counselor when I when I was struggling with the forgiveness came instantly with Frank but Frank's attitude is like a lot of men's okay it's over It didn't mean anything. It was nothing. Well, it's something to the woman. It's something to your wife. It's huge. Don't pull that crap on her. She didn't mean anything to me. She meant enough for you to to threaten your entire lifetime, your family, your, your marriage, your vows to God, everything. So don't diminish what it meant. It may have been a a minute in your life. It's now defined mine. Mm. And don't diminish that. Let a woman grieve about it. Let her not rail against you if she's forgiven you. I never did. I never, Frank and I never slept in a different bed. We were never in a different room. Our children never heard an ugly word between us. They were little. They were four and eight. And little people do not deserve big people problems. But my pa- this, this beautiful Turkish man who had counseled Frank and I premaritally, I went to see him again. And he said, Kathy, I know you've forgiven him, but now you're... Frank's attitude of that, well, that's, you know, let's just, he expected everything to go back to exactly where it was before. There's work to do. There's trust that has to be rebuilt. It it is hard, hard, hard work. And you got to be willing to do it. And because I was so easy and so quick to forgive Frank, I think he just thought, well, Kathy's, that's the way she is. But I struggled with that. It hurt me. He didn't understand how deeply I was hurt, and that bothered me. So now I'm set back in our processes going forward. And this dear, sweet man looked at me and said, Kathy, maybe the most wise, Solomonic thing anyone's ever said to me. He said, Kathy, if you can't forgive your husband, forgive your children's father. Mm. I went, I love that guy. Mm. That guy's amazing. Yeah. I got my eyes off me yeah. and onto my children and, and back on a road of, you know what, we're going we're gonna to save this. By the grace of God, we're going to save this. And yeah. Praise God we did. Well, that counsel you have is relevant for women who've been cheated on by their husband. It's relevant for men who've been cheated on by their, by their wife. That and happens too. It sure does. And... You know, when we forgive somebody, what we're doing is we're giving up our right to take vengeance on them. We're not giving up a natural healing process that we have to go through because we've been wounded. In fact, you need it. It's important. Mm -hmm. You need to grieve. That's right. Whether it's a death of a relationship, death of of trust, death of um, a romantic longing, uh, all kinds of things. In fact, well, I've got to read the book. <laughs> well, and when and when we do those things, uh, we're gonna have we're gonna go backwards. But guess what? Three steps forward and two steps backward is still a step forward. You know. You are good at math. I am good at. I, 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 you had me on seventy times seven. I had to pull out my calculator for just a minute, but I but I think I had it. 
Oh, Kathy, that's great. Hey, I'll just give you one last. Anything else you want to say, and then we're done. Uh, I just want to tell everybody listening that God loves them with an all-consuming love. Well, there you heard it here, Kathy Lee. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that I made the ask today to get this conference room. And maybe there's a simple, aggressive thing you can do that would change things. Ask her out. Try that thing you've been afraid of. Um, I don't know what it is, because sometimes going forward in life is as simple as making an ask that you're a bit afraid to do. So do that today, and that's a done. We are wrapped. Welcome to The Aggressive Life with Kathy Lee Gifford. I'm Brian Tome. It's been a pleasure. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Bye now. Hey, thanks for listening. For more aggressive living, head over to bryantome.com. Get signed up for the mailing list to get regular shots of positive aggression sent straight to your inbox. And while you're there, you can also find articles, podcasts, and books. I'm also active on Instagram. Search Brian Tome. Special thanks to the band Judges for the music. Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.